Hello and welcome to this episode of the Sports United Podcast. We are here to talk to you about something that brings joy to a lot of people, but it's a signal to many people that the seasons are a-changing. That's right, it is time for everyone's favorite American pastime, that is stick rocks. No, sorry, no, uh, baseball, (laughs) that's what that sport turned into. Yes, we are here to start our preview for the upcoming MLB season. To help us out with that, we have a few of our esteemed co-hosts with us. Uh, coming from a balmy southern Ontario, Sean. Hello, everybody. And coming from an equally balmy uh, eastern Ontario, Charles. Well, I feel like I should be sing- doing the, the, the birds of the monkeys to everything turn, turn as the seasons turn, you know? It might have been on to something there. Yes, we are going to talk about, we're not going to talk about every single division because there's just baseball, you know, it's long, it's tiresome, and we can get into it. So we will be covering a couple of the divisions today, talking about the rule changes, and uh, you'll just have to look out for part two and potentially part three, depending on how deep we get into the MLB, MLB season. And we also have the World Baseball Classic, which begins very, very soon. But spring training has already started. Pitchers and catchers have reported. Games have been played. And that is usually the turning point. Uh, You know, after the Super Bowl, you kind of have a few weeks where you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. It's winter. It's February. And then pitchers and catchers report. And you're like, oh, wow, spring's here. We did it. And you start all over again. So um, let's get your thoughts on how did you think, you know, baseball was in a tough spot, especially in 2020. They should have been the first. And I've said this on the podcast. There was absolutely no reason why they should not have been the first sport back uh, after the COVID break, because it's the best social distance sport you can get. Uh, they did it over in Korea and Japan. We talk, certainly talked about that in the early, early days of the podcast. If you want to go uh, listen to those, uh, you know, we have our favorite uh, uh, Swole Daddy. He won our mascot poll. Uh, the dinos over in J- Charles is very confused. Look, look up no. the mascot Swole Daddy. He's an eccentric dinosaur that is a yeah. mascot for a baseball team uh, over in Asia. He won a lot of hearts on the internet in early COVID days. March 2020 was a very, very long time ago. That, that um, took a second to bring that one back into memory. I know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, they got started 2021. But then, uh, you know, unions and player strikes uh, were talked about. And it looked like baseball was just in a hot mess at the end of the 2021 season. And 2022 got started a little bit later. They pushed it, I think, a week back, but they were able to get the full 162 games in. Uh, I know we on the podcast did not think that was going to happen the way things were being reported and talked about. Uh, But the season started a week late. Uh, What were your thoughts on the 2022 season? Well... 
overall, I mean, it was an exciting season. You had the you know, you had the usual ups and downs. Everybody, you had uh, some records going after Aaron Judge and his 62 home runs, uh, breaking the American League record in the ultimate uh, betting on yourself seasons. If anyone remembers the contract talks he and the Yankees were having in spring training, they couldn't come to an agreement. He says, no, we're not talking midseason. I'm betting on myself. Didn't exactly say it that way, but that's pretty much what, he, what it all meant. Goes out and just absolutely terrorizes baseball for six months and bashes 62 home runs. A couple of them came against uh, my, my Blue Jays, and damn, that hurt watching. Even though you love watching a guy chase history, it hurts when it comes against your team. So, yeah, the, he, as he got closer and closer to 60, you saw teams just say, no, we're not pitching to you. Kind of felt, kind of reminded me of Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and Timmy Sosa on that five-year stretch. Uh, oh, you, you had teams going all in at the trade deadline, and it was good to see that it was a couple teams other than the Yankees and Dodgers for once. Uh, the Padres went all in on picking up some guys at the deadline and in the offseason later on, and we'll, we'll touch on that later. Uh and it was fun watching. I watched a little bit of the the, uh, the AAA baseball, seeing how some of the rule changes that they implemented there first, which were obvious, which everyone knew were coming for this upcoming season. How is it affecting the game down there? So I had a good time, you know, analyzing that and you know, uh, just getting a feel for the rule changes and how we're going to see them up here this year. Uh, going to tell you right now, that's going to be havoc. Even with spring training, they're going to get like a month to sort of practice it. There will be havoc for the first month of the year. Um, yeah, similar to you. Like it was overall a good year. Um, the the judge home run chase. Uh, Padres loading up to try to compete with the Dodgers. The Mets collapsing at the end of the year to let the Braves come back and get the division. Uh, the Phillies surprising everybody to get to the World Series. Uh, and then Houston. You know, did they win it cleanly this year? <laughs> you know, I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, okay, I had the over-under on that for being 10 minutes in. We, we, went, we went way on the under there. <laughs> we got the under. No yeah. trash no trash cans this year, but uh, who knows? Yeah. Maybe some soft foam. Maybe <laughs> those old-school dollar store foam bats. That's great. You just – you never know with Houston, so um... – Oh, but yeah, so had to get that out of the way early. No, I, I, I almost feel bad for the guys on the, on this World Series team because, by all accounts, it looked clean. You know, they, 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 nothing was really sketchy about that. So, but unfortunately, they're always going to be sort of tainted by that brush from a few years previous. Um, God, I, feel, I, 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 the guys who, especially the guys who weren't on that, that on the tainted World Series team. They were here this year. I, I feel bad for them because they will forever be unfortunately tainted by that brush from uh, from history. Yeah, when you have characters like Altuve still on the team, like it just there's just yeah that allure that's never going to go away. And you know, every five to ten years, that's going to come up in the remember when or how did this you know, the exposés that are going to come out in like five years times of like, how did this not get, you know, found out until much later? And Oh, it's like, it's like, it's like Brady and the Flake Gate. Same thing. Exactly. 
So uh, we had a major milestone other than uh, Aaron Judge. Uh, we had uh, a legend retire, but not before getting over that 700 benchmark. Albert Pujols, uh, people, it was a it was a dream kind of coming into the season, especially after he said, oh, you know, like, I'm retiring. It was like, oh, if only he had, you know, mid, mid-career Alberts in him, he'll do it. And he went, all right, that's what you want. And he was able to reach 703 when it was all said and done. Uh, just an outstanding career. Uh, one World Series. Uh, I was fortunate enough to see him play in person. What a fantastic player. And, uh, you know, he's making room for the new generation, but not before uh, being left on the record books uh, very, very closely to the top of the home runs. And no, no question about it. No, you know, criticisms no oh is he potentially it was just a gifted athlete who was just genetically gifted athletically and power and he was taught properly he came from that generation uh, of players that just grinded down and learned how to hit the ball and uh you know muscled up once he got to the big show First ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, if this oh. guy is not a unanimous vote for the Hall of Fame when he becomes eligible, then there needs to be some asses handed to them physically. Uh, the the issues with the Hall of Fame and like people not people not even getting voted in was that this year? I don't even remember. Like it's just so every, ridiculous. The Hall of Fame now, it's... guys not getting in who probably deserve to be in. Um, and they have the competition committee that let they you know that looks at the older guys from the generation yes. past yes. who aren't eligible to be on the ballot anymore. They're still fucking that up. Um, <laughs> my language, I feel very strongly about this. There are guys who are still not in the, in the Hall of Fame who deserve to be there. Baseball Hall of Fame who, is the worstly run out of all the major ones. It's hundred percent, hundred percent joke. Um, but Albert Pujols is a surefire Hall of Famer. Should be a unanimous vote for him. Whoever, uh, if someone does not vote, I want that name published on yeah, headlines. Right? <laughs> yeah, but not only was he a great player. I mean, okay, yes, he was an intense competitor. You saw the fire in his eyes every game he played. You saw just the effort, every swing of the bat. He didn't. He didn't just lazily hack at a ball when he was in a slump. He he was always trying, always trying to make himself better. But what an ambassador for the game, both domestically in North America and abroad. Uh, just a clean cut, controversy free player. Really, and he didn't wasn't a steroid user. He wasn't, you know, he stayed away from anything that was really going to, you know, tarnish his reputation. And he just played the game, and he played it very well. Obviously, he, he's World Series champ, MVP, seven hundred home runs, three thousand hits. He, he nailed every major milestone he probably could in, in his career. Uh, just just a treat to watch. It didn't matter if he was playing your team or not. If Albert Pujols was watch, was up at the plate, and you had a chance to watch on TV, that that was that was appointment viewing. He's so, one of those rare players where no matter what team he played for, you always cheered for him. Yeah, and yeah. it sucked when he played your team and beat your team. It was like ah, like of course Albert did it. I don't know, duh, like expected. 
Don't know what you <laughs> did that for. Did you like, angry at Albert when he beat you? No. <laughs> yeah, no. It's, he just tipped his cap. He's like, yep, it's a, he, he was a better man. He made a difference. But, of course, it's Albert making a difference. It was, it was almost like, expected. It was like, ah, oh, yeah, there we go. It's like, it's like, like, you know, we can say Brady, Crosby, Ovechkin. We can name off Tiger Woods early in his career. It's like, yep, okay, we got beat, but we got beat by the best fucking player around. Yeah, and it's – and he was such a humanitarian, too. The time he yeah. took with fans ahead of time, the charity work he did, uh, both in North America and uh, and abroad. Like you said, he, he grew the game. And it's you. You want to learn how to play baseball, sure, Aaron Judge, or you know, you want to hit home runs. Uh, but you know, Aaron Judge is a again even more athletically gifted human being than Albert Pujols. But you want to mirror your game after a player like Albert, because look at how long he played for. God, it was a like twenty. Uh... 21 years. 21 years. Yeah. 2001 it's... to 2022. Oh, okay. I feel old. I'm remembering like he, he homered uh, very early in his career. It was the first, first or second game he homered in. And I remember watching it. I remember watching that ball go. And I'm like, wow, that kid just made a ballpark look really small. And it was a ballpark. It was the St. Louis ballpark. I can't remember what they called it back then in 20, uh, 2001. But he made the ballpark look really tiny with that home run. And I I looked uh was my father with me at the time? And I remember telling my father, Yeah, I remember telling dad, that kid's gonna be something if he stays healthy his whole career. He'll be something. So and he was, and and he he was. was. <laughs> they don't make him like Albert anymore. I really hope like if St. Louis is smart. Let, let him rest for a year or two. Bring him back as a bench coach or something, as a hitting coach. This guy has got so much knowledge. He's such a cerebral thinker, such a cerebral player. The, the amount of knowledge he could pass on to the to the next generation of Cardinals players, my God. What, 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 open, what a knowledge to work with. Open invitation, open position. Just let us know when you're coming. And <laughs> <laughs> The Jays well, had that with, with uh, Eddie Encarnacion the other day. Yeah, he's going to be the guest instructor for some of the, the young hitters. It's Maybe when not you the have greatest, not the world's greatest power hitter, but damn, he knew how to swing. When you have a talent like that, you the a person that changes the culture of a team of a city, you you do everything you can to keep them around as long as possible because it's only positives. Hundred percent. Well, when this uh, when everything was settled. We had our playoffs set, and it mirrored very much uh, across the board. Three teams from both the AL and NL East, uh, one team from the AL and NL Central, and two from the AL West and NL West met in the playoffs. Uh, We won't talk about the collapse of the Blue Jays. Uh, I think... Every, I think one in four Canadians were watching that game too and turned it off and then found out that they lost. Uh, so we'll brush over that. Um, but uh, when it was all said and done, Houston defeated the Yankees in the ALCS. Or, 
No. Oh, sorry. CLCS. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> and Philadelphia beat San Diego in the NLCS. Mm-hmm. And we had a Houston Philadelphia World Series. Uh, and, you know, sometimes the villain in the story has to win. And many people's villains of baseball. Uh, Houston won, mm-hmm. giving uh, Mattress Mac the largest uh, gambling bet win ever. Uh, he won north of $70 million on his crazy $2 million yeah. bet. Uh, and, you know, it's hard to feel sorry for that, but he does do a lot of good for Houston and the state of Texas. So uh, all a lot of that money does go towards programs and charities that he runs uh, for people. So if anything... Many people in Houston that need it are going to benefit from a lot of that. And he hasn't won a big bet since. So there's <laughs> the Mattress Mac Kurt curse, if you will. Um, yeah, we talked about it before. This one feels a little bit better than, uh, you know, Trashgate. But you still feel bad for some of those players because, th- you know, there's they want to put another asterisk on that on that world series yeah the quickly before we get we delve into the divisions and the rule changes you mentioned baseball's villains who's the bigger villain the yankees as the evil empire or the houston astros who really is the bigger villain in baseball cuz i 100% yeah i was going to say as much as houston's been slandered the last few years it's still the yankees Everyone still hates the Yankees, unless you live in New York or happen to be a Yankees fan somewhere else. Everyone hates the Yankees. You can't love them. You know what? Yeah. Um, as much as it's common to hate the Yankees, I think because of what Houston did and how much of that goes against just sports in general, uh, I was cheering for the Yankees over Houston. Oof. Because a, a cheater of that magnitude to go to the lengths they did to win, uh, just it you put a disgrace, you put egg on your face, like, and they they had nothing, no repercussions, a slap really. on the wrist, like what they got, nothing. Oh, we're gonna take this away. Okay, I'm sorry, my well, I let me take my World Series ring out of my ear to. I'm sorry, what well, <laughs> So I think recent overall, of course, it's like the Yankees and the history, but I think within since I guess if you want to say 2018 or in the past 10 years, I think Houston has a recency villainy to it. And this World Series win, I think, amplifies that. I think they're different kinds of villains. Houston yes. for their like they're cheating, where the Yankees, well, they're just the Yankees, right? Like they they've been historically the best team. They have the most revenue, but well, I don't want to say by far. I'm sure the Dodgers are right up there with them. They both spend ridiculous amounts of money every year. Uh, but the Yankees, they're for two different kinds of reasons they're villains, but I still say Yankees. Everybody hates the Yankees. When the Yankees lose. Everyone's happy. They're like the Cowboys <laughs> of baseball. That's true. I mean, yeah, you don't. I don't think of Houston that often because they don't deserve a thought in my mind. Uh, so when if I see the Yankees lose, you go, oh, thumbs up. If you know, if I see Houston playing uh, 
San Diego and they lost, I could care less. So, yeah. I, and does any, and is it a hundred percent, the hatred for Houston, is it a hundred percent tied to the cheating or is it because they have been successful now for about the last decade, really making long playoff runs, world series appearances and uh, ALCS appearances from, from the better part of the last decade, really? I mean, they've been to the World Series now, what, three times in the last uh, seven seasons, winning it twice, losing once, four. Thank you. Thank you for correcting me. Uh, thank you, Sean. So it, it is the, the level of 17, 19, 21, and 22. I mean, for me, it's it's the cheating because I enjoy what forever will be Minute Maid Ballpark. Uh, and the Astros jerseys, especially the retro ones, like just phenomenal, the theming, uh, but so everything about Houston itself as a team, I like from the jerseys, the, the stadium, uh, it's one of my, uh, you know, to, once I start to visit ballparks in America, cause we only got one active one here in Canada. Um, it's it's kind of at the top of the list, uh, but organization-wise and what they've done just really tarnished any good holding uh, that one would have. If you're a person of sport, like that just should put a bad taste in your mouth. So, oh, I think it did for everybody, but it, I, I think, I still, I don't know, my, my hatred for the Yankees still overrides that. Maybe it's because of my favorite team who plays in their division. They beat the hell out of us for 20 years, kind of like how New England did the Buffalo. Why do you got to think... bring that up, man? Why do you bring <laughs> that up? <laughs> You're right here, Sean. I got to bring it up so that they, anyone else listening can actually understand what I'm saying. <laughs> I will say the Yankees live rent-free more in my head than yeah. Houston does. It's only when you know, Houston beats New York and you're like, well, I got to, you got to hear about them everywhere. And then, oh, they win. So you got to hear about them more. And, you know, just, you got to wait that, you know, month until the NFL really kicks in that everyone just forgets about baseball again until (laughs) now when you're just like, oh, what happened last year? Oh yeah. That's yeah. Look at that. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. So that being said, uh, (laughs) God, can the two West divisions be any more top heavy? Yeah. Like NL West, AL West, can they be any more two team top heavy than they already are? It's it's kind of like if you're betting or you're trying to you're making your preseason bets on who's gonna finish where, it's almost easier to kind of pick uh, you know, who won't be in the race come halfway through the year versus who will be because at least three in each division, maybe four, will be within striking distance of a wild card position. Uh, and maybe, you know, maybe challenging the division, depending on how things break out. Um, but you got some up and comer teams and then they're kind of two basement dwellers. 
Well, I mean, in the case of the NL West, it is actually a very much a feast or famine. The mm-hmm. Dodgers, the Padres yeah. being the feasters. Uh, but quickly, we'll cover the famine guys in the Giants, D-backs, and Rockies. Uh, I mean, the Dodgers are going to be going through a bit of a transition. They don't have Turner anymore. And they lost Andrew Heaney out of the rotation. So they are they are down, and Walker Buehler still on the DL. So they're, they're old number two, number three starter, not there. So they've got an aging Clayton Kershaw back for one more year. I'm sorry, I, I pulled a wad of Benjamins out of my ear. I'm, I'm sorry, what was that? The Dodgers may not be good? <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. You're on fire awesome. tonight, Justin. This, this Man, feature was not sponsored by the Dodgers, but if they want to, I will gladly take an earful of Benjamins. Oh, my goodness. Well played, sir. You're on fire tonight. No, the Dodgers, I never said they won't be good, but they won't. I don't think they're going to be as good as years past. They are, they are very much relying on A. Walker Buehler getting healthy, which may not even happen this year. He's back. It's going to be all-star break at the earliest in reality. They're relying on Kershaw and Noah Syndergaard. Like, Syndergaard was dominant with Jacob DeGrom back with the Mets. But now we're, we're talking, that was a long time ago now. Think about it. We're talking... 10, 12 years ago. He was so, traded over there last year, right? Or did he sign in the offseason? No, he was traded to Philadelphia. And That's he, signed okay. with LA, he signed with LA in the offseason. And we came down to LA, the Blue Jays, and one other team. I do not remember who that was, unfortunately. Uh, it pretty much came down to those to about three teams, and he chose the LA Dodgers. They still have Julio Urias as well. So they do have, on paper, a decent top three in a rotation, but you know, Kershaw or Syndergaard get hurt for an extended period of time. If Urias falters, they, they don't have much behind them. Dustin May, Tony um, Gonsolin, and Bobby Miller, not exactly, you know, household names, not, not exactly guys who can throw out there for 35 starts a year and they're going to win you 20 games. So their bullpen is going to be probably pushed like it has never been pushed in the last decade. They also lost their shortstop Gavin Lux to an injury in spring training. He's gone for the year. He will not be back till next year. So that is a huge offensive and defensive hole to fill for them. Uh, right now, it looks like they're going with internal options. They haven't really gone out to try and make a trade, make a splash. Really isn't much to, out there to make a splash with, so they'll have to be via the trade. And everyone's very wary of making the Dodgers all-powerful once again. Uh, they do have a couple of. They did bring in some bets to try and off, uh, offset the power loss. JD Martinez, uh, Jason Hayward, who still has a decent stroke, he can still uh, jack one out of a ballpark when, when when he gets in his wheelhouse. They brought in Bradley Zimmer to help on the defensive end of things, because as as Blue Jays fans know, he's not exactly going to hit great at the plate, uh, but he definitely brings a very good defense to the center field, uh, especially with some of the new defensive rules. That's going to be outfield defense is going to be at a premium this year. Um, but the Dodgers days of being kings of the NOS. Now, God, I said this once before a couple of years ago and I burned me in the ass. Uh, the Dodgers days may be numbered. I'll say it again. Maybe this year actually proved to be right because their biggest challengers are the San Diego Padres. And very surprised run last year to the NLCS. Not many people gave them much of a chance, especially with Fernando Tatis Jr. missing the whole year between injury and suspension. 
coming off the PED suspension, and he wound up having three separate surgeries, two of them on his wrist. He looked good so far in preseason, so right now he's expected to shift to the to the outfield because the Padres decided to go dump some money on people, namely Xander Bogarts. So he's going to be their everyday second baseman, uh, sometimes even shortstop. He's going to go back and forth a little bit there. Still got Manny Machado, Juan Soto, Austin Nolan. They brought in Nelson Cruz. That offense, that could be one of the most dangerous offenses outside of Philadelphia in the National League. Pitching might be San Diego's weakness. They signed Hugh Darvish to six more years, which will put him around Tom Brady's age when he, when, when it's done. Uh, they still got Josh Hader as a closer. They got him in from Milwaukee. Uh, Blake Snell, Joe Musgrove on the rotation. So they still got enough pitching to match up with most teams in the NL. But they need health, and they need they need that lineup to finally come together. Um, anyone listening? We've seen it in hockey. We've seen it in basketball lately. We've seen it in baseball before. Super, super teams. And they blow up in your face because they don't reach expectations. They can't stay healthy. Brooklyn. Um, they just can't seem to make it work. So they really need to make it work this year to justify that obscene payroll they have. Manny Machado just agreeing to a new contract extension, 11 more years, $350 million. Now he's got to prove he's worth it. Uh, you know, super teams in baseball are a lot harder to achieve, I think, out of any of the sport. Um, NFL, kind of a lesser extent, but you could have star players at certain positions that alter a game, whereas... LA Rams. Whereas in baseball, sure, you can have a, you know, an Aaron, like just people just hit home runs, but, you know, that's half the battle. So uh, I think you're correct. And I think injuries will hinder uh, the Dodgers at some point. And, right. and so the kind of the question is, is the NL West a two or a three team race Sean I'll let you go first on that one uh I'm probably gonna say too I mean San Francisco will probably be the third team they'll probably be right around they were last year I think they were a 500 team Mm -hmm. I I don't see them being that much better than that they might get a couple games here or there but they'll be right around there uh but yeah I think the Padres and the Dodgers they're the big two out there and the Padres being the big fish this year. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. Uh, San Fran's rotation on paper looks good. Logan Webb, Alex Cobb, Alex Wood, former Blue Jay Ross Stripling. But the bullpen rolls all up for grabs. They don't really have a bona fide closer. They don't have a setup guy. They don't have too many guys who are throwing heat. Uh, a lot of the pieces from that 107 win team from a couple from just two years ago are gone. Either retired or they've gone elsewhere. Or they're just injured and they can't really pick up a bat too much. Uh, they'll be the third team kind of by default. And I think Sean's 100% right. They're going to be right around the 500 mark. Maybe a little, just a touch under. Uh, but the D-backs and the Rockies, I mean, the D-backs, yes, they've got Madison Baumgartner. But he's not the he's not the hard-throwing, intimidating lefty he was during San Fran's dominant World Series runs. Um, sure, they got Gabriel Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. from the Blue Jays in the Dalton Varsho trade. So Moreno gives them a jewel to build around for the future. 
uh, Nick Ahmed and Evan Longoria. All the Blue Jays fans remember him from his Tampa Bay days and him terrorizing the Blue Jays. Uh, they're there. They're going to you know, be very stable veterans in that lineup. They're going to really uh, usher people along. Lord Escorial Jr. will also help go people, you know, really you know, teach some of these younger guys that Arizona has coming up. This is what it is to be a major leaguer. But, but they don't really have much of a pitching staff outside of Baumgartner. They don't really have a bullpen at all. Uh, the D-backs, they'll be a fourth. They'll, it'll be a question of will the D-backs be fourth or will the Rockies? And the Rockies are pretty much the NLS version of the Oakland Athletics. Who's being traded out that team next? Charlie Blackman? He ain't going to want to stick around much longer there. I mean, the Rockies are years away from contention. They're, they're a shell of of contenders. Uh, in the blip that happened a few years ago where they looked like they're on the rise, they they sold their, their beans for money, and this is what they get. They get the basement. The days of Andres Galarraga and Larry Walker are long gone. So, unfortunately. Uh, even like the days of Todd Helton, you know, when, when they were a pretty decent team in the, in the early 2000s and the mid-2000s. But, no, the Rockies, um, just a question of who's going to leave and when, really, when it comes to them. Um, there needs to be a, a seismic shift in the, the organizational thinking of the Arizona Diamondbacks and to my family and my uh, my cousin Dave, who's been on the podcast here with us before, who live in Arizona, I am sorry, but there is an, a massive fundamental shift needs to happen organizationally for the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Colorado Rockies for them to be, start becoming contenders again. Because right now, they let's be face it, they are just laughing stocks. They're, they're punching bags for the NL West and most, most of the NL East, too. People just beat up on them. I mean, thankfully, with the schedule being reduced this year, you won't see your, your division opponent 19 times. I think it's only 14 games you play against each of your division opponents this year. A little more schedule balancing happening. Um, yeah, 13 against divisional rivals. 13. Thank you. Excuse me. So 52 uh, in total. So there like, there you go. That's how it's going to happen. Um, it's just... When, when you're the Dodgers and the Padres and you see three or four games coming with the D-backs and Rockies, you're almost laughing. It's like, well, there's two out of three for us or three out of four, maybe even a clean sweep. Mm-hmm. Clean sweep if we bring our A game. So, yeah. They don't need their A games. They just need their B games for those. Yeah, <laughs> we joke, but that, it's almost true. Yeah. That's sad. Especially the ones in Colorado's with, with those offenses, with the Dodgers and the Padres. Those Especially balls fly the out of the stadium. Yeah. That's thin air in Colorado. My God. Um, no, it, it, so going back to the original question, yeah, it is a two-team heavy, top-heavy division there. The Giants will be a thorn to play against. They, they, they'll be scrappy. They'll be, uh, not to, for anyone in Ottawa listening, they'll be pesky. We're bringing back the <laughs> – Justin knows what I'm talking about. Um, but, no, it's, it's very much a two-team race. And – I, Dodgers are the Dodgers, and they'll find a way to always be competitive. I, I think the Padres, they're definitely going to be looking to come off them and they'll keep the momentum of an L, of a LCS appearance going. And they are going to, if they put it all together, they, health stays with them this year. They don't see suspensions for 80 games. They don't see 
Machado or Tatis Jr. or Soto or anyone's gone for 80 games with an injury, they take first place in the division. No, that's fair. I just like my thing is like San Diego, they have a lot of hitters, but isn't their ballpark considered a pitcher friendly ballpark, not a hitter friendly? It is a little more pitcher friendly, yes. But with the the, the the big three they have offensively being Machado, Tatis, and Soto, mm-hmm. it don't fucking matter what ballpark you're in. They're going to make it. No, yeah, ball. I know. They, 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 they can hit the ball 400 plus. Doesn't matter where. But it's just one of those, like, their, their stadium is set up for more pitching friendly. It, oh, very, as very opposed much to so the it, offense. If you look at their pitching staff, how it's been, how it's con- it's constructed, it's meant for it's meant for the defenses to work, mm-hmm. especially. And then again, we'll talk to we'll talk uh, new rule changes a little bit later. But with the way that the rules are going to be and the way that everything's constructed, you look at Machado as an athletic defenseman. Soto's young and he he's got speed for the outfield. Tatis is a great fielding. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, he's going to be now right fielder. Uh, so he's he's going he's got speed. And he's got an arm. Bogarts is a phenomenal. Infielder has been for in one of the toughest divisions in the AL East for years. He's always been a, a very reliable player. So their defense is tailor made to work with how their pitching is. So, yeah, is it a pitcher's friendly park? But is it going to matter? No. So, if you look at some other uh, websites and projections, uh, some some people have Arizona and San Francisco being very close uh, within five to seven games of each other. And some even have Arizona finishing third uh, above San Francisco. Why are they smoking on drugs? Uh, So that's okay. You can skip those. Yeah. You know, it must be the, the peyote and the up in Arizona in the mountains current where Aaron Rodgers is hiding out still. (laughs) Oh yes, yes. He he came out. Yes, he came out of. Uh, his, he saw his shadow, so he <laughs> will be return. I don't know what that means for Aaron Rodgers when he sees his shadow, but two weeks till the season starts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. So depending on they, I don't know. I. there's going to be a team close to 500 and then everyone will be below them. And that'll be the threshold for the NL West because it'll be a San Diego, LA, a very sunny top to that uh, West division. Uh, We flip over to the AL West and kind of like you were saying, uh, I would say this is more of a, three-team uh, potential, uh, more so than the NL, but uh, I still think, uh, you know, LA is a little far behind, so I think it's probably going to be the same two again like we saw last year. Well, you know what? You're saying three, and it actually could very well happen. Oakland is going to be like Colorado. Who's Oakland, leaving? Oakland's falling apart just like their stadium. And unfortunately... Yeah. When are they moving to Vegas? Montreal, come on. Let's bring Montreal. Come on, let's close. Oh, they ain't going from the west to the east. That's not happening. Yeah, I, I know, wishful thinking, but come on, let them in. <laughs> 
No, uh, Texas. There's your third team. And Texas spent a whole shitload of money two off seasons ago. Really? Getting Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. They committed about a half billion dollars to those guys. They took a huge gamble on the pitching this offseason. They already had they, – they, they locked up Martin Perez, who was the one starter they had last year who they could count on. So good on them. They locked him up. They didn't let him get the free agency. Then they brought in Andrew Heaney. Pretty good, pretty good left uh, left-hander. Yes, pretty sure. Uh, but then they took the biggest uh, leap of faith, as far as I'm concerned, Jacob Degrom. So, if Degrom is healthy, his arm holds up, his shoulder holds up, and his pectoral holds up all season long. They actually will have a good top three. They've got Jake Odorizzi and Nathan Avaldi, who AL East fans will know very well from respectively Tampa and uh, Boston. And those are vet, veteran presence guys. So is DeGrom, but he's also been hurt half his career. So, but they, they've got a, a pretty decent top five in their rotation. That, that alone will win them a couple of extra games compared to last year. Is it enough to make them a playoff team? Probably not. Is it enough to keep them in the conversation for maybe at least part of the season past the All-Star break? Yeah, I, I, I would be at least be comfortable saying that. Um, but really, when it comes to the ALS, yes, Texas is going to be a bit of a dark horse, but it really is still Houston's division. But for how much longer? Seattle's coming. Seattle's coming very hard. They've got a Seattle has a deadly top three: Robbie Ray, Luis Castillo, Logan Gilbert. In a in a, play, in a best of five playoff series, forget, forget even the best of three. Uh, well, the first round. You know it's hard to when you're talking about Seattle. Um, that's a that that's a very very strong rotation. They've got two closers in their bullpen, both guys who can throw 95 plus. They got two guys capable of closing games, so if they get a lead into the seventh eighth innings. You might as well just pack it in. And they went out and then they added to Oscar Hernandez in the off season. So not only do they have J Rod and Julio Rodriguez. But now they got another guy to compliment and protect him in the lineup finally. Uh, you know, they went out and got a couple of additions, Colton Wong, J.P. Crawford for some vet presence, just, you know, keep some of the young guys in in the clubhouse a little loose when things get a little bumpy, which yeah, they do for every team in, the, in, in baseball. No one goes through a season without bumps, whether it be figurative or literal. So they'll, they'll have some good vet presence there, guys who know what, what to expect. So Seattle could, could, challenge Houston for tops in that division this year. It'll be hard just because Houston's going to beat the hell out of Oakland and Anaheim. So that that, that is going to be really tough. Just 26 games, you might as well give them 22 wins right off the bat. Just because they have to face, they'll probably have to face Otani at least once or twice. And Otani can handle Houston's lineup. But speaking of Houston, some people will ask, why, do, why can Seattle catch them? They lost one of their best three pitchers. Justin Verlander went to the Mets. And we'll talk about that in part two or part three when we, when we get to the East divisions of, of both leagues. They still got Lance McCuller Jr. They still have Framber Valdez, who is my breakout candidate of the year in the AL West. He's my breakout candidate. He was injured part of last season, and he was playing second fiddle to Verlander, who had a renaissance. 
Now Valdez is pretty much going to be the guy of the rotation. He's going to be their stopper. They lose two or three games. He's going out there to uh, stop the stop the slide. They have uh, Jose Urquidy. They still got Luis Garcia, Christian Javier. Still a pretty decent rotation. They went out and got Jose Abreu. So, Martin Maldonado, no slouch at the plate. Jose Abreu, no slouch at the plate. Jose Altuve, don't put a buzzer on his shoulder. Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, Michael Brantley. They still got enough offense to hit and out-hit most teams in their division. Do they have? Do they take the division? 60% chance they do, in my opinion. Six out of ten. Don't sleep on Seattle. They're young. They're hungry. They got a taste of the playoff success last year beating Toronto. Can't sleep on them. Now, now, Charles, I have a question for you. Does Seattle close the 16-game gap to Houston? Do they close it all the way? Not without help. They're going to need an extra extraordinary season. Robbie Ray is going to have to be back with his Toronto version. When Toronto pretty much made made him a Cy Young candidate, they're gonna—he's gonna have to be that kind of Robbie Ray this year. He can't afford uh, three or four starts where he doesn't quite have it. He one start every five, every ten starts, one of every ten, he cannot have it. But he's gonna be Mister Six Seven Inning guy, striking out ten or twelve, making life easy on his defense. Hernandez has to return to the thirty-five homer, hundred RBI man he was in Toronto. And protect J Rod. He does that. The offense has enough. So that'll that alone, I call that worth five games. If Robbie Ray, Luis Castillo, they're if they're on their game, Tay Oscar's on his game protecting J Rod, I call that worth five games in the standings. So now you're down to eleven. Houston's loss of Verlander and his his especially his presence in the clubhouse, I call that three games. There's probably three games right there that now it's down to eight. Injuries happen. Trades happen. Mm-hmm. Is it will, will it be enough to make up the eight-game difference? That's what I can't answer right now. I, I'm going to say yes, you can do it, but it's going to take something big. It, it's going to take the, 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 uh, the Mariners going out and making a big splash in a trade and some massive injuries hitting the, uh, the Astros. It could happen, though. And I only asked that question because I actually didn't. I mean, Seattle, I figured, was going to be a playoff team, but I was still saying the ALS, AL West is more of a one-horse race. Like, it's Houston. I was just going to say, by far. Um, you may have changed my mind a little bit there with your quite your analysis. Um, but I think Seattle was going to be probably the five again in the – I think they were the fifth seed last year, and Toronto was the four. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, they were. Yeah, I think that might be the exact same this year. Maybe you can flip those two, but I, I think they're in for another matchup. That's a little bit of early. You know, it's probably six months away from now on a pre- playoff preview episode, but that's my prediction right now. Um, but, yeah, I think Houston is going to – roll over everybody in the AL West. Well, last year, they ran away with the division because Seattle was still finding itself early on in the year, and they had a lot of games with Houston early. 
So, and then, you know, like I said, Houston ran over Los Angeles, well, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I hate that name. Go back to the California Angels, for Christ's Stupid sake. Stupid name. Way too long. Should be named up two cities. Mm, thank you very much. <clears throat> you know, even though Anaheim is technically a suburb of L.A., but we can take, we, we'll get into geography later. Um, they, they beat up on Anaheim. They beat up on Oakland. They beat up on everybody. It wasn't fair last year. It was like a big brother. It was, it was like an 18-year-old brother playing against four, his four younger brothers who the oldest is seven kind of thing. So it was not a fair, fair comparison at all uh, to, really, to really blame Seattle for being 16 games back. If it happens again this year, then yes, it's totally on everybody else because they'll, the, A, they have less games against Houston and they know what they're going to get now. They, they, they know, okay, there's no Verlander. There's more maturity in Seattle. The Angels will go only as far as Otani and Trout can take them, and Mike Trout can't stay healthy. I love the guy. I think he's one of the, like, he could have been the next Albert Pujols. Clean cut, hard player, doesn't take a day off. Can't stay healthy to save his freaking life, though. They both need to leave the Angels. They're just wasting away. 100%. Uh, I would, now, outside of the Yankees, Never want to see either one in the Yankee uniform. Oh, God, no. Nope, nope. Or Dodgers. Or Dodgers. Uh, well, you know what? I, I, I can handle Trout going to the Dodgers. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to see Otani go to the Dodgers. Um, I want to see Otani in a Blue Jays uniform. Thank you very much. I think everybody well, on this podcast would. Yeah, but we'll get to that. Well, I'll be talking about that when we get to the ALE side of things because I got some there. Might shock, shock a few people. So, no. The Astros, is it their division to lose? Fine. Right now, this day and age, say yes. But like I said, there's about eight games out of that 16 that are going to be made up just by internal growth of Seattle and taking away Verlander from the Astros. That's half the distance already. Now go play. See what happens. What? Anaheim is going to be – Anaheim will just be a, a, a trade uh, watch for Otani all year unless they get an extension. They're trying to get new owners. Uh, I think the Anaheim. No, they owner, they stopped that. Yeah, he stopped that, but it, it's still guaranteed. He stopped it officially, but they're still probably looking behind oh. the scenes. You never actually stop it, like really. True. It, it's just it, it, they want to keep it out of the press for a while. Of course. So, so uh, according to MLB, uh, Charles, I think you should work for MLB or at least write on the website. According to their um, whatever. Um, Prognosticator? No, the systems that they use to figure out who's going to finish where. The Zips and the Pentacotta, their systems, they have uh, the Angels as contenders and the Rangers are not. They have... One of, the, one of them has them tied with the Mariners for 85 wins. Will the Mariners take a step back? Uh, apparently, to according to the Zips and the Pentacotta, and uh, it says neither system is buying what the Texans uh, did or what uh, the Rangers did. <laughs> and uh, somehow the Angels are going to miraculously make up 20-some games. You know what? I'll buy the Angels finishing... I can see them maybe sneaking ahead of Texas. I think Texas, Texas is going to have – they got a gel. 
You can add yep. all the pieces you want, but that you know you're not you're not winning the World Series in April in May, but you can you lose can, it. You can lose it, and a lot of teams that get built in the off season, if they don't figure it out quick, those few you know mismanaged games or whatever can cost you in the stretch. I think we can all safely agree Oakland finishes fifth, dead yeah. last. There is potential, and I, I can't say it's totally other of a possibility, although I would put it up there as being like a tiny bit of a stretch seeing Anaheim ahead. Anaheim doesn't have a great pitching staff here. Um, let me just take a quick look here. Well, they, they yeah, they their tweaking was getting uh, role players. Yeah, uh, but that's what they did. So if – how far do you go with Otani and Ty Anderson? Well, exactly. Yeah. That's, They're you win two it. out of five games every rotation. Like Yeah. And really, like their bullpen is a bunch of journeymen and young guys trying to prove themselves. And the two most experienced guys are former Blue Jays, Ryan Tapera and Aaron Loop. They don't have a closer who is gonna lock it down for them. So like I said, now, yes, uh, Brandon Drury, veteran pickup, but he can play most of the infield. We can play first, second, and third. They Well, first and second, really, because they got Anthony Rondon, who won the World Series of Washington in 2019. Um, but really, can Otani, Trout, Rondon, and Drury be the a mighty foursome that can, along with Otani also having to pitch every five days? Like, is that enough to beat out Texas? I I don't think so. Like I said, there's going to be an Otani trade watch all year long. It is going to be a traveling circus everywhere they go. Is he going to go? Is he not going to go? How long till he goes? Yada, 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 until the trade deadline passes. And either he goes or doesn't go. But that's three and a half months, almost four months of the same questions day in, day in, day out. Is that enough? Do they have enough there to overtake them with all the added pressure? I, don't, I really don't think so. Unless Texas really self-implodes, which could very well happen. It's Texas. I mean, they, they were a couple of strikes away from winning a World Series. Other than twice. the Yankees, other than yeah. the Yankees another uh, team everyone likes to hate, so... Well, the Blue Jays fans hate them because we we face them back to back years in the playoffs. Bat flip, yeah, <clears throat> bat flip, suck it, Texas. Um, so no, I I don't have much sympathy on, but I don't know. I I just don't see Anaheim being that good, especially if Trout misses half the season again, because Otani could only do so much. Like he, he may be Superman, he may be a once in a, in a once in a lifetime kind of player. Because not only can he throw 98 miles an hour and sometimes even touch triple digits, he can hit 300 and hit 30 home runs on 100 RBI. That's just wild to think that there's somebody capable of doing that. I'll correct myself. He can hit 45 to 50 home runs since, you know, when he won the MVP over Vladdy, he and Vladdy were almost neck and neck in home runs. He He does have 45, 50 home run power, actually. Especially if you put him, just two seconds, humor me, folks, 
put him on a team, put him on the Yankees, put him on the Blue Jays, put him in Houston, put him with anywhere with a team that actually can insulate him with good talent. He's got 45, 50 home runs, hitting 325 and 115 RBI easily. So, Otani's a special player, but he's if if a Trout misses all year long, he's not enough to propel them into a third place standing. No. The Angels need four more Otanis to be relevant. Let's just be honest here, okay? In a, in a perfect world, yeah, I agree with you, Sean. They need one or two more guys who can pitch like Otani. They need one more Otani at the plate, a good left-handed power hitter, and they need another Trout, actually. Yeah. And it's when, like I said, when, when we get to like part three and doing the NL and AL East, I will probably piss off and shock, shock a few people. I'll shock the people on the podcast and piss off some fans. Uh, I've got something to drop on them there. Well, that sounds like a great tease to me. Uh, <laughs> before we go, we are going to outline all the fancy new gizmos and gadgets and uh, rules that players and umpires alike seem to not quite understand yet. Um, <laughs> there are some major shakeups and rule changes. This in a bid for baseball to become more time friendly and uh, appeal to younger generations as a lot of their fan bases kind of live out. I don't want to say age out because you don't really, but they're not getting replenished like other sports. So, in an attempt to become more favorable, uh, they've started the process, like Charles said, in uh, the minor leagues. And now we have some rule changes in the major leagues. Uh, so what are some of the ones that uh, fans and people who watch baseball will notice uh, right away? Well, there's about four or five of them, actually, that uh, I'm going to quickly run through. Uh, first of all, bigger bases. They were 15 by 15 for the last umpteen dozen decades. Now they're 18 inches by 18 inches. So you're like, whoa, what's nine square inches going to do more? You're actually going to see a lot less injuries happen, actually, because very commonly, you know, uh, pitchers running to, the, to first base to cover on a throw or first baseman outstretching, trying to turn a double play, and, you know, the runner's foot hits them. There's collisions that happen, and you see players – See first baseman, the pitchers, and or the base runner missing oodles of time from, from a spike injury. That's going to go down. You'll see less players getting injured stealing bases. There'll be there'll be more room to steal bases. They won't be colliding with the fielder, the defender, whoever the shortstop, second baseman, whoever is going to cover second or third on a stealing attempt. Be less likely to see a head to see, to see concussions happen from a head collision. Uh, so right there. Less injuries, more star players in the lineup, and more action there. Uh, the biggest one, really, the biggest one, and we've all we, we talked about it with uh, my cousin David, who's an umpire, pitch timers. From the moment that the batter steps towards the box, there will be a 15-second pitch timer. The pitcher must start his motion of delivery within 15 seconds, or he will be penalized a ball. It, the, the timer gets extended to 20 seconds with a runner on base. Doesn't matter what base he's on, 
Runner on base, it's 20 seconds. The batter but must be in the batter's box with eight seconds remaining. If you're not, as uh, Manny Machado found out in first preseason game, you're penalized with a strike. So no no more of this, no, no more Garcia Power or Ryan Braun fiddling with your gloves for 25 minutes. Get your ass back in the box and hit. Um, pitchers are allowed to step off the rubber twice per batter so they can throw over or just step off and shake off the catcher and regather themselves twice. You do it a third time, it's an automatic balk, which, for those who don't know, a balk will be when a balk has occurred. Any runner on base is allowed to move 90 feet. And we've seen games end on a walk-off balk. So imagine, just imagine all these rules coming to play in the World Series. Um, let's see here. Uh, shifting. God, the last two, three years, we saw shifts. You know, you see all four infielders on one side or, you know, three cl- clustered together trying to stop all Vladdy Guerrero, uh, Darren Judge and all the other power hitters from trying to get base hits. You mean no you more. don't like a, a bunt to third and a free base? Like, the only time I enjoyed that was when it was Big Poppy David Ortiz because watching that man run was always hilarious. Um, two infielders must be on each side of second base when the pitch is delivered. So now there is one very there's one loophole that you know so. If you just want to, you could have, you know, if you're going to shift to the left, you could maybe move your shortstop over a few strides. The second baseman can be right, like one step away from second base to help cover off that sort of side there. So it'll still, you'll still see shifting, but it won't be obvious shifting. Uh, by the way, that, that restriction does not apply to the outfielders. They can move anywhere they want. So if, you know, Vladdy's up, they can move the center fielder over to play with the left fielder and make a big hole in right center, but there's no penalty there, no nothing. Uh, all four infielders, though, first base, second base, shortstop, third, must have their feet inside the outer infield white line boundary. No, You won't see anyone off in short right field anymore. So the right fielders are going to be taxed a little bit more that's why you see some teams going out and sign athletic young guys who are in need of a second chance or a fresh start in their career. They got a little bit more money than they probably would have in any other way. And maybe they still have a job because of it, because they have athleticism. They have uh, a good arm. They have good range. So those are some of the big, sh- I mean, on top of, you know, restrictions on how many times catchers and managers can go out and talk to the pitchers. That was last year. Um, so all that coming into play this year, uh, in the minor leagues, they saw games go down on average by a time of 45 minutes games that were going three hours or just over three hours. were dropping down to two minutes, 15, two hours, 15 minutes. Granted, not the same kind of TV timeouts you'll see in AAA that you do in, in the MLB, but it was a, it was a noticeable change. And so far, even in the preseason, I've, when I've been reading from the games I haven't seen and the couple I have been able to tune into, uh, noticeable that the games are faster. And as you alluded to, Justin, it's a younger demographic now. Uh, the hardcore baseball fans 
are aging out or, you know, just as we like to say, dying off. Uh, <laughs> sorry to be crap, but that's just, just call it how it is. And baseball is the slowest moving sport of all the four major sports in, in North America. Even football, with, with you know, it's, it starts and stops like crazy, but there's a lot of excitement that happens every play. You always know that every play can bring you a 70-yard touchdown, a punt return, pick six, you name it. So you have to watch every play. Basketball and hockey move at light speed. Baseball is, pardon, pardon the pun, lagging behind all the time. Has been for decades. They've been trying for the last 10 years to, to get it going. Finally, they've they just said to hell with it. We're, we're, let's stick the needle in our arm and let's do it. So every baseball purist is going to hate these rule changes. They're going to be, oh, you're messing with my game. Well, guess what? It's the, it's the 21st. It's now that we're in the uh, well into the 21st century, and sports have had to change with the times. Baseball was just the last one to do it. Baseball needed the kick in the ass. I. To be honest, I can't watch too much baseball because the games take three, three and a half, four hours sometimes, and and nothing happens, right? It's one guy throwing the ball to the other guy. That's it. They do that how many ever times during a game? Sometimes the guy hits the ball, it goes for a home run, it's excitement. But most of the time you're standing there watching him throw five, six, seven, eight pitches, keep fouling him off or something. It's just it's really hard to watch. So I do hope that the changes make it more entertaining, per se, especially with the the pitch clock, if you will. Uh, but now the uh, the whole shift thing. Hear me out here, okay? Okay. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the shift, so I'm glad they basically have gotten rid of you can't put three guys on one side of the infield. But then my same thought is these guys are professional players. You should be able to hit the ball the other way if you're a professional player being paid millions of dollars. So the fact that the MLB has to make this rule change to help you hit the ball or to get on base successfully, I think is a little sad per se. Like these guys, all they do is they hit. I, and I know hitting a baseball is probably the, one of the hardest things to do in all of sports. The thing is really small. It's moving very fast. But these guys are the best at it. And you should be able to hit it anywhere across the whole field. That's just my thoughts on All right. And, you know, we sit back from a logical perspective and hard to argue. But I'm going to. Uh, Sean, I'm gonna ask you a question, and I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to sound condescending. Do not, do not take it that way, please. Have you ever stood in and gone, gone to like a batting a batting cage and then and faced a six, even sixty mile an hour pitch? Uh, no. I have, and it's a fucking nightmare. No, I know what you're saying. Like I said, like, I know it's the one of the hardest things to do. But when this is your job and what you get paid to do, and it's easy for me to sit here not playing the sport to say these things. I, I totally understand that. That's just my whole thought on it, though. But, but, but one thing, but no, but your point is good. And I guarantee you're not the only person who's thought about that. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing wrong with your point. But now I'm going to say this is why. And this is why I think it's a good idea to ban the shift. 
a, a baseball is not much bigger than a hockey puck. And starting pitchers these days are throwing them um, about as hard as NHL players are shooting them. Mid-90s, touching 100s. But the thing is, hockey pucks, unless they're tipped, don't change direction very much. A baseball, depending on how you grip it, whether you're gripping it you know, on the stitches, you're going to grip it with a third finger, I could go through all the different pitches and how you hold them. It changes the spin, and that actually alters how it moves. And since they throw it that hard, and you have about one second to decide, am I swinging or not, You being able to inside out the ball and hit it the other way, damn near impossible, even for the best. Um, we You used to see it a lot more in the 90s and early 2000s, but then but got, but pitchers were more pitching. They weren't just flamethrowing at that point in time. So flamethrowing right now is, is the rage. Everyone wants to have starters who throw 95-plus, even maybe 100. So hitting the ball the other way becomes almost a matter of a miracle, just luck, that you manage to shoot it the other way, especially since they want to pitch inside on so many batters, crown them inside, don't let the hands get extended, don't, don't let the arms get extended for the power. So Cal Ripken Jr., Wade Boggs, two of the best guys that go in the opposite way. But that was in the, that was back in the day when the hardest throwers were 94, 95, not 99. Five miles an hour makes a monstrous difference. It covers that 60 and a half feet that much faster. So should these guys, being the best of the best, be able to go the other way more often? Maybe. Is it probably the hardest thing to do besides running, legging out a triple? 100%. There is just no way that they can, like, unless the ball is being perpetually thrown on the outside, the other half of the plate, there's no way they can purposely shoot it the other way. Just the speed, the, just the physics make it almost impossible. Yeah, I, no, I understand. I just, my whole point on the <laughs> thoughts on the whole thing. I'm not, I'm not trying to argue. I just, like, it's. No. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I wanted to have that. I, I heard you go I'm like, yes, I want to go at this. I want, I want this yeah. one badly. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, and I had to clarify like, and specify like hitting a baseball is probably the hardest thing to do in all of sports. Like it's, it's up there. Like there's not many things that are actually harder. Keeping a golf ball straight would be the only thing I would say is harder. Fair. <laughs> and that's stationary. So <laughs> Now, do you? I'm a big fan of the runner starting on second in extra innings, uh, but I know there's a big uh, section of the fan base that is not. Where do you guys stand on this? I love it for no other reason that it re- like the long games in the middle of the season, and I think we've talked about it at least once or twice. Uh, we can both remember a couple of long Canada Day games with Detroit and Cleveland in years past going 18, 19 innings. That puts a monstrous strain on the entire organization from major league right on down to double A, moving guys around who has options to be called up to cover for a day or two while your entire bullpen rests and gets their arms back after throwing hard. Um, We haven't seen too many games go past the 12th or 13th inning since they brought that rule in. It's only the regular season playoffs. Yeah, you, it's like yeah, playoff I'm, overtime. Just it's yeah, just like 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like NHL, just yeah, the the playoffs different beast, but like you said, a, a mid July game after the All Star break between uh, Oakland and Colorado. Oakland and, yeah, Oakland and Colorado, and it's seventeenth uh, inning has no business. They have no business playing a almost extra game yeah. for a win that won't matter. Because at that point, you you are really risking catastrophic injuries. Because not only like, not only is that game going long and people are probably playing positions they're not meant to, but the day after, guys are still exhausted. They they're not going to get proper rest. They're not going to get any kind of a proper cool down. It, it just it, it's a domino effect for two or three days until you can write the ship again. And then that could cost you your season and, and potentially. So no, I, I'm fully for it. I like it. I think it should stay. It should never leave. At least not for the next 15, 20 years. Um, Cause also at that point, especially with the, with the new rules coming in this year, that's going to really put the onus on the defense. Not to let that guy score. You might see extra inning games stop at 11 all year. You might not see a game go past the eleven. Like you guys, I'm also for it. Unlike you guys, I'd actually be okay with it being implemented in the playoffs as well. Ooh. Interesting. Huh. Um, okay. N- not to not to argue with you, not to say it's wrong, but question that. <laughs> if you're in favor of the runner on second for the playoffs, first of all, uh, first question, would it just be the first couple rounds and leave it for the World Series or go back to normal, or is it all playoffs. All playoffs. Okay. Okay. Would you then would you in then be okay with four on four overtime in the Stanley Cup playoffs? I would. I'd actually be okay, okay. with three on three. I actually don't mind three on three. Okay, no problem. Okay. I, I, yeah, I want to see um, what you're doing on that. And I I say like now here's the thing. Like obviously pl- hockey, baseball, two different sports, how they're played will drastically impact like when three on three in the playoff, or sorry, three on three was first introduced in the NHL. It was a lot of back and forth, like chance after chance. Now it's teams are a little more cautious. You know, they're dropping back, looking for those opportunities. I still like that though. It still speeds up the game. There's still chances. I'm okay with it. Is it real hockey? Some people are going to say no. I mean, there's a puck. They're on the ice. It's real hockey. Uh, the ex, the runner on second base. I just think it will make the team like the team who starts with the runner on the second base in the tenth inning will obviously kind of start with the advantage because if they can get that guy in, then they can throw their closer or their next best pitcher out, right? So that's just, where that's where home field really plays an advantage. Yes, and and I, I feel like especially in the playoffs, like you've earned your home field. You should be given every advantage because you were the better team. Not in most cases, you were the better. I know there's like you can win your division and be a really bad team because you're in a bad division, but you still won your division. I just, yeah, I'd be okay with it. Okay. But by the way, I'm I'm a full fan of the three on three in hockey. It, it, I think they should be three on three for ten minutes because I'm not a fan of games. Um. I, I love the shooter when it first came in, but it was when it came down, I think it was the Rangers and the Flyers and went to a shooter to decide who went to the playoffs one year. And I want to say it was 20, 
2014. I'll have to look that up later and see if, see if I was right. I stopped being a fan of it deciding who goes to the playoffs. I stopped being a fan of it. A skills competition has no business deciding a team's fortune like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm okay. uh, yeah. There, I'm, there, I'm okay. yeah, there are there are pros and cons because like you could argue that well, you know, a breakaway you practice at every single practice from when you're four. Um, and then you could also argue, well, maybe you should have won one more game so you weren't in that situation where kid like but I, I totally understand like yeah, like you can throw arguments at it, but it's not going to change how you <laughs> how you feel about that situation. A breakaway also, you're usually practicing at top speed and you're just doing one deke and a shot. Fucking shoot us, go all over the damn ice. You're not wrong. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, could, I also on, just, like, shoot us, give me a heart attack in playoffs. Like, like uh, obviously, NHL, you can't do it, but, like, I'm speaking like, soccer, right? Like, World Cups are decided on shootouts and stuff. I, I can't watch them. Give me a heart attack. Like, it's just... Oh. Double yeah, I just want the game to be decided during, and then you can fix that argument saying, "Okay, well, you don't want to go to overtime or a shootout. Beat them in regulation. You don't want to go to extra innings. Get that runner on it's, sec- second it's base. Such start, a, beat them in nine innings. It's such a wave because the, the the World Cup is a fabulous argument. How many people, you know, came to that? Like, why is the World Cup beat? Like, this is the greatest game that was ever played. Why is it a shootout? Well, for two World Cups, it was golden goal. First goal wins. And soccer purists and all these people were like, this is not the, like, you should give them the entire 30-minute extra period to see, like, give them a chance. And the NFL kind of went through that. It was like, oh, a, you know, one a kick wins it. And everyone's like, are you kidding? Like, the other team didn't get the ball. So now they, you know, if you kick a field goal, you, the other team gets a chance. And the, you, it's that hard Try to find a balance so you don't upset too many people. Keep competent. Like it, it's never going to be there. But baseball, I think, has had the longest way to go, and I think adding a runner is definitely going to to help them get there, or at least tell fans, "Hey, we're trying. <laughs> we don't want a twenty-one inning game in August. We're sorry." <laughs> No, because you know it, it's just ridiculous. So no, um, I, I fully endorse it. Um, I don't know if I'm ever gonna really want to see it come the playoffs, because I still like five on five overtime in the NHL, and I like seeing. I I love those four overtime marathons because yeah, it's a marathon for the players, but it's a marathon for the fans. It's almost a badge of honor. I I was there whether you're in the crowd or watching at home on TV. I was awake through the whole thing. Uh, it's a badge of honor, and it, it, it's something that la- it's a memory that lasts forever. I just uh, got one question for you. I know playoffs are usually more important than regular season game, but why is it basically okay going to four overtimes or twenty innings okay in the playoffs, but not the regular season? I was oh, just I'm, I was just thinking that in my head, like okay, like what fair is the, like ultimately though, what is the difference? Fair question. Yeah, where does the line get drawn? The best, the best answer, especially for baseball. This is especially for baseball. They get 19 off days a year, regular season. They're playing almost every night. Well, that's an so issue. Very, that could be another topic for another day. They play too many games. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we, we could probably agree on that too. 
but so 162 games over 181 nights. Not counting rainouts and doubleheaders or anything like that. BS. So, do you want to play a 15, 18, 20 inning game in the middle of the season, knowing you've still got 80 more games to go? Where in the playoffs, you get a day off most of the time in between games. You don't always play every day. You've got a chance to rest. So it's a in hockey, same thing. They don't play back to back games. Very rarely do you see that in the, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Do they go back to back? You play. You have a day off to regroup, and you come back the next, come back two days later for game two, game three, whatever. You get that day off to rest. So, and the in my mind, that's the only that's the only explanation people need. You got a day, you get more off time in the playoffs, and you sometimes do in the regular season, especially for baseball. So, especially if you finish your series quickly, um, like you get extra time off. So, I have no problem with. Marathon games, and you don't see marathon games like that too often in the playoffs. Not counting last year's Tampa Cleveland game, that was one. That was a game. No, like fifteen innings, no runs. But again, they didn't play the next day because that that one mm-hmm. that one Tampa the series or Cleveland, whoever won that one. Uh, I believe Cleveland did. I think Cleveland did. Yeah, yeah I, I should know, but I. <laughs> yeah, let me just go back to last game. season and. Um, yeah, Cleveland. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was the the clincher, Cleveland one. But they had they had a couple days off after that, so fine. You played fifteen innings, but guess what? You had two or three days off before you played the Yankees, so they had a chance to rest and, re- and regroup the whole team. So, quite simple. More rest, you, you get more rest of the playoffs than you do in the regular season. So it's just more for the players resting than the actual game itself. I just wanted just to get. Yeah. Okay. No, that's fair. That's fair. I just did just one of those things, right? The actual gameplay itself, no, it, no, it, there, there is no difference between a playoff game. It's just that the the heading of the game is the only thing that really changes the playoff round or regular season. It's the only thing that changes technically in those games. So the pressure is amped up, but. Other than that, it's the same damn game. Same thing in hockey. There's no, there's no different. A Stanley Cup playoff game is no different than a regular season game. It's just that the sat what what's at stake is more. It's the it's the mentality and the the pressure that comes with a playoff game that we have given those that changes really, and then we all know what that can do to some players or what it brings out in other players. But yeah, other than that, physically, emotionally, your, your namesake knows about that, Justin. Oh, yes. <laughs> Mr. Game 7. Hey, don't wrong. I love playoffs for pretty much most sports. I was just, you know, throwing these questions out there. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> well, that's, probably, that's probably the most fair question I've ever heard is what, what why is it, why is it should it be any different? Why, why should overtime rules in the playoffs be any different and matter any more or less than the regular <laughs> season? Besides money. <laughs> actually you know that's the one thing i love about the nhl playoff overtime we're getting off topic for a second but i'll wrap that up no freaking commercials in in overtime i agree commercial free that's how it should go and just like this podcast we are commercial free as well which means we don't have a sponsor so if you'd like to sponsor the podcast uh Find us at sportsnightpodcast at gmail.com or find us on our social media pages. 
this is just the ramp up because that was two out of six divisions. So we still got four more. The World Baseball Classic. We have the NHL trade deadline coming up. So more and more episodes are coming up as we gear up to the most exciting time of the year. Uh, Let us know if you're excited, who you're rooting for, if you think we're right, or if you think we're completely wrong and we should leave it to the computers who look at numbers that we don't even get. Tell us on our social media pages. Leave us uh, a link on our uh, email address. And uh, we will be having a giveaway very, very soon. So keep your ears open for that. Uh, Charles, Sean, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. My pleasure. Get ready. As always, thanks. Get set. Because it's going to be a wild few months. So stay safe. Stay warm. Get ready for spring. And sport on.